Hello, 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 and uh, welcome to Radio Nerd. Uh, today's going to be a special episode because we have a guest on. Um, but before I introduce our guest, I'm just going to quickly uh, go through the housekeeping. Um, as always, you can find us uh, on uh, Instagram at radio underscore nerd, WLU, and on uh, Gmail at radio nerd, WLU, at gmail.com. Um, like I was saying last week, uh, those things may be changing up in the near future. I haven't really figured that out yet. Um, I've been busy uh, as things happen. Uh, so today we're going to be talking with Becca, who is uh, a friend of mine, as well as a writer, cosplayer, and general nerd. Uh, Becca, welcome to, uh, to Radio Nerd. Thank Welcome you. As the first guest. Woo! Um, why don't uh, you just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you get up to? Uh, so, hello. <laughs> I know Kiefer through uh, some creative writing clubs that we do together. But, yeah, as you said earlier, um, I'm involved in, like, writing. I do a lot of reading. Uh, I'm involved in the community we're going to be talking about today which we'll talk about later, of course. I do lots of cosplay, and in general, like, I watch a lot of anime, play video games. I'm a general nerd. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm realizing now that I never mentioned the topics that we're going to be talking <laughs> you really about. didn't. I, I was like, is this a it. secret? Ooh. I sometimes, like, I feel like sometimes when I'm talking, I wait to do the topic, but since we're just going right into it, I might as well. Today we're talking about fan fiction. And uh, Becca's very well informed about fiction. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, and you write fan fiction yourself, right? I do. I've I've written and like published in air quotes on like you know websites a few things, mm-hmm. but I unfortunately I fell into a rabbit hole like mid July of COVID times, you know, and. I, I like it. It's fun because it's it's an immediate fandom and like writing situation where you already know you're going to enjoy half the things that you see. So it's yeah. fun. I, I read a lot of fanfic and I was right before this too. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. How, um, maybe just to start out, like, how would you define fanfiction? So fanfiction typically refers to user-generated content, I'm throwing in here my my fancy media studies language, mm-hmm. which is as yeah. opposed to, yeah, thank you, <laughs> as opposed to content which is generated and published by like a big production company, user-generated refers to content. So any like writing or videos or media of whatever, which is submit by just like any random person. So it's fan content is entirely just content where you take someone else's work and you can kind of like play around with it and remix it and adapt it and then submit it for other fans to enjoy. So that would cover kind of like anything from uh, someone's like maybe meme videos, like yeah. meme animations about anything to like doujins, I guess, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You find in Japan. Okay. So I'm thinking like, I see a lot of fan art, like on Instagram and stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's generally part of fan content. Anything yeah. where it's like another person's, you know, copyright, <laughs> but you can take like the creative liberty 
along with like, you know, the general use copyright rules and whatnot uh, mm-hmm. and kind of adapt it. And like you can, so usually how I see fanfics nowadays is like you take like the characters or the setting or like the premise, but you like kind of spin it into something new so that it's kind of a merge of what you're writing and like a pre-existing media. Okay. And you mostly dabble in writing. I, yeah, I do a lot of reading. I do some writing uh, (laughs) in the sense that writing is hard to stay on top of and, you know, writer's block. A lot of times, I I guess even cosplay sometimes counts as like fan content because, you know, it's not official. Yeah, so like cosplay. I also watch like a lot of animations. I follow a lot of fan art. It's just cool to see what like people can come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you get started uh, in fan fiction? Was it the hole that you described or was that sort of just <laughs> a more recent uh, um, jump into it? Hmm, that's more recent. So I used to read some fan fiction when I was younger. So like in mid-high school, if there was like a fandom that I was into, but not a lot of my friends were into. Sometimes I'd just like stumble along things like online and it'd be like, oh, this is cool. Read it for a day, but then I'd kind of discard it later. Um, About a few years ago, I started really like following a lot of artists and um, cosplayers on Instagram. So I got exposed to a lot of, a lot of fan work. And what ended up happening is uh, I followed this artist that made Miraculous Ladybug comics, which is a show I've told you to watch. It's a, it's a great yeah. show. Yes, but I, it's on a list. <laughs> it, it is a show, though, that generally uh, frustrates some audiences because it was originally meant for children. So mm-hmm. in that sense, it's not quite as like... Uh, yeah, not, not quite mature. It's not quite as like serious as it could be, not quite as developed. A lot of the topics are very small. And it's got, like, repetitive style. So people tend to make a lot of comics about it. Like, hey, what if the characters were, like, real people? (laughs) And I say that, like, I love this show. This show is so good. I want you to watch it. But, like, you know, there's room for people to interpret it in different ways. So I was following this Miraculous Ladybug artist. And they made some comics. And I was just, like, scrolling through my Instagram one day. And someone had asked them in, like, a story question, like, hey, are there other, like, comics or fan fictions you recommend? So they're like, yes, I do. And they posted a whole list of things. And I screenshotted this and I searched them up because I really liked their comics. And I found out they weren't actual comics. They were fan fictions. So I ended up on Archive of Our Own, which is a big fan fiction website. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of the ones that they recommended. And once you watch the show, I will recommend them to you because they're, they're really good. So, yeah, so that happened, like, June of last year. And kind of since then, I've just been, like, clicking around, like, AO3, like, looking at fandoms or animes I like and, like, seeing what's out there. And, yeah. Okay, interesting. I I didn't actually know that there were, like, comics, fanfic comics outside of, like, uh, manga, like, fanfiction that I've read before. No, it's really cool. People do a lot of, like... Even four panel comics, you know, the types Mm. of stuff you see in like the newspaper. Yeah. So, yeah, you get a lot of just like, hey, what if this happened? And it's played out in like four panels. Okay. interesting. And that's fun. A lot of people on Instagram do that. It's very exciting. Okay. So 
you you mentioned um, the website. Is that that was AO3's full yeah. name? Okay. AO3 is called Archive, ugh, Archive of Her Own. I don't know why I can't say that word, <laughs> but it's, okay. uh, it's it's basically. I think their mission is like to protect fan work. So the okay. problem with, with fan generated content is the whole copyright situation. Mm-hmm. And typically, typically the way copyright works is if it's transformative content in that you're not just copying exactly what's happening, but you're actually adding something to what you're sharing. Then it's typically okay. Given that you say like, Oh, this is like fan work. If you can say like, oh, this is someone else's character, I'm just adding to it, that's typically fine. But AO3 is a website where they're basically trying to protect that and just foster a community where like people can share their own fan content. Okay. It's quite useful. Well, we're going to, I think we'll come back to talking about sort of the legal issues. And oh, yeah, of course. Let's totally that, do that. <laughs> that's uh, it's something I find interesting. I have always found copyright law to be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if people who, if I've mentioned that on this podcast, but uh, for a time I wanted to be a lawyer. And one of, the, um, one of the things that I was very interested in on top of corporate law was copyright law. You did um, mention that, yeah. Yeah, Um it, it's very, very fascinating. Um, other than AO3, are there, you mentioned Instagram being like a place, I've, I've seen quite a bit of uh, sort of fan-generated content, whether it's mm-hmm. cosplayers or art on Instagram. Are there other sort of big hubs that you find a lot of that in? I know a lot of, a lot of fan art you can find on Instagram or Twitter. There's stuff like ArtStation, which is just where people generally share their art, but that's mostly concept art, though there is some fan art and there's some really good fan art there. Uh, I find TikTok's really good for like fan animations and cosplayers. A lot of them flock to TikTok. Well, a lot of people flock to TikTok in general because it's a good algorithm. (laughs) Uh, In terms of fan fiction, there is a website called fanfiction.net. Uh, which is the one I was first exposed to, like when I was 15. But I find, like, I don't, I personally don't like their filter system. So, but AO3 tends to be the most popular one for like prose fanfics. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, is there any specific areas of fanfiction? I mean, you mentioned the Miraculous Ladybug, and you, <laughs> me and you obviously both uh, are into anime and, yeah. and, and the assorted things that come from Japan. Um, are those the only sort of areas of fanfic that you dabble in? or? Uh, I tend to like fanfics. Okay, so the way... Let me, how do I explain this? So I am involved with like Miraculous Ladybug fanfics and uh, My Hero Academia fanfics. Those who know me will cringe at this because I am unnecessarily obsessed with this show. <laughs> but the way I see it is I find fanfics are really good for shows where you have a di- like a diverse, well, I can't speak, a diverse cast of characters. So Miraculous Ladybug, mm-hmm. there's like a few main characters, but there's obvious, there's like 10 or so characters Kiefer you wouldn't know this but like the main characters they have their friends and then like there's this class that you see a lot and the class is very cool and diverse there's lots of cool people there but like they often get into you know superhero trouble uh same with My Hero Academia there are like the central few characters but there's also like a class that you follow as they learn and grow together so there's a lot of Mm -hmm. different personalities you can play with and personally I like that I like being able to see a lot of 
a lot of like work and depictions where kids can just be stupid kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry. But I like it where you can have like a bunch of different characters and you can play to their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I find it's just nice to have a broader cast of people to deal with. Yeah, it sounds kind of like you enjoy the ones where the stories that aren't being necessarily told by the actual author are kind of explored a little bit more. Yeah, I like, that's part of the fun of fanfic is, and we'll get into this more later, is just Mm -hmm. like the way different people can interpret different characters. For example, like there's a lot of shows where, and I'm sure you've talked about this, where they can't explicitly say things. So, like, Mm. if you have autistic representation or LGBT representation, sometimes creators aren't allowed to say this officially, but fans can kind of pick up the clues that are left behind. And fan work is sometimes the bridge that can span that and can cause, like, a lot of closure for people. So, for Mm -hmm. example, there's a character in My Hero Academia, my favorite character, Kifri, you might know this, Kaminari, who uh, he basically has very, like, hyperactive tendencies, and a lot of fans read him as ADHD. So a lot of fans tend to, like, there's a word for this nowadays. It's like kinning, tend kinning, to kin this okay. character. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, you kind of, like, see yourself reflected in that character. And as a, like, as a result, you tend to bond with them more. Okay. So people, kin, like, family, sort of? Yeah, yeah. Kin, uh, K-I-N. Yeah. Exactly. K-I-N. Exactly. Okay. I um, only, I don't know if that's the official um, definition for it. I've only been exposed to that, like concept recently okay but yeah so for example with this character kaminari a lot of people with adhd or like hyperactive tendencies tend to like empathize and appreciate this character so in the ways that they interpret them they will write them with their own experiences of adhd or hyperactivity in mind so you get these fun fan representations of things that aren't necessarily said in the canon, but a lot of people appreciate that. Yeah, it's sort of like um, the ability to add the representation if the author is unable to add that representation. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hmm. And that happened a lot with uh, you've you've watched Shira, of course, multiple times. I watched Shira. It's great, yeah. it's a great show. Oh, and uh, I just finished watching it again. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. So um, good. So good, but like. I don't know if you've spoiled this whole show in your in your podcast previously. Uh, I I have yes. <laughs> okay. When I went and uh, and talked about um, watching it and stuff for the first time, yeah, I did. Good, good, good. So, so our main characters, Adora and Catra, mm. they are very gay, of course. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that the first time through. Second time, it's like, <laughs> wow. Second time, yeah. Once you know, it like opens your eyes. You can read into things a lot. It does, but. Yeah. Before it was ever confirmed, a lot of the fans were, like, really hoping it would be confirmed because there is some energy between them, like some chemistry. Oh, God, yeah. But with a lot of media like that, you never really get a confirmation as to LGBT characters. It's certainly, like, the cartoon community is taking that in stride. It really started with Steven Universe, I guess. Oh, I've never actually seen Steven Universe. Steven Universe is exciting. They have a... So they have this system where the gems, which are like these alien characters, can fuse mm-hmm. with each other. Uh, so, so like, for example, if we were fused, instead of being Kiefer and Becca, 
we'd instead of two different bodies, you'd have like we'd share a body and we'd just create oh. a new identity that was a mix of us. So there are characters like that. And towards the end of the series, the character that is a fusion gets married to each other. Oh. And they are both like female. Interesting. I forgot the word. Yeah. They are both uh, female presenting characters. So okay. that was that was like a big thing in, I don't know, 2016 or something for LGBT because a lot of cartoons and shows, especially shows that are cartoons because a lot of kids watch cartoons, aren't allowed to explicitly say like anyone's LGBT. Yeah. So, I do find that, that strangely enough, like conversely to that too, cartoons seem to be pushing the envelope the most. Yeah. And it's it's good to see. I yeah. I'm not sure why. I think it's just a medium that fosters that a bit. It does. And I think it's also very healthy for future generations to be watching yeah. and growing up with these as well. Definitely good to see. We are living in an incredibly diverse and more and more diverse world. I wouldn't say we weren't living in it before, but those identities are being given the spotlight that they deserve now. And yeah. Having those things in the spotlight for children especially I think will only help to create more inclusive spaces. Mm -hmm. And it's much appreciated. Like uh, mm -hmm. I mentioned this in our club a few days ago, we talked about uh, research and representation and implementing that mm -hmm. into our writing. Uh, in Miraculous Ladybug, the main character is a French Chinese girl and I'm a Canadian Chinese girl. Mm -hmm. So growing up is like, that's not, <laughs> that's not easy to find in many places. But I feel like the kids who are like me, they're mixed race, they would like grow up watching Marinette and be like, oh, yeah, we've got like some strong female characters. Marinette is, again, she's very stereotyped because she is a cartoon character, but she is mm -hmm. strong. She is there in the public. People know who she is and people love her. So it's, yeah. it's good to see. I don't want to interrupt you, but my landlord <laughs> is here showing the place. So I'm going to pause the recording. Real quick. No problem. All right, we are back. Uh, oh. Full disclosure, uh, we were interrupted. Um, my landlord came through, uh, and we kind of forgot what we were talking about. Um, but I believe it was something related to Shira. I think it was Shira. Representation about Shira. Or wait, was we it? We were talking about cartoons. No, we were, were talking, talking about cartoons and representation. I thought you were talking about being uh, Asian Canadian. Maybe. Anyway, I can talk about that. that. <laughs> sure. It was, it was something like that. It was one of these things. Um, We've talked about it so much. Yeah, we were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about being able to. Okay, sorry. I'm on track. I got you. So, you yeah, basically, audiences like seeing themselves represented, and there's lots of circumstances in the media. For example, uh, I don't actually have an example. Oh yeah, Arcane. Okay. Arcane is very uh, gay-coded. <laughs> yes. With Between Caitlin and Vi, there's there's stuff going on there. And same with a lot of people ship Jason Victor. But again, has not been explicitly said. Do we know why? Maybe some riot nonsense. I don't that know. Could be very true. I have, I've talked at length about queer coding, representation, and disliking Riot Games on this it's, podcast. Oh, so. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I love Riot Games' art department. I have to add that little asterisk. Mm -hmm. Riot Games? Yeah. So, 
Yep. <laughs> they unfortunately exist. I love their arts department. I'm going to tangent here a little bit. And I, it's, no, go just for it. It's fun. They do, they do like short stories. They make all the, they make all the AUs. It, they make like music. They made a K-pop band for heck's sake. They do all the art for it. I their arts like department. The it's so cool. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. The game. Yeah, it's a little toxic. <laughs> the company. It's a little toxic but their arts department uh, yikes as someone who loves music and writing and art i appreciate their arts department i think it's very Mm -hmm. cool yeah i I would definitely agree with that i do love all of the art that comes out of league of legends looks Mm -hmm. incredible it looks so beautiful it's just unfortunate that it's associated with such a terrible monolith that company outside of that and I feel bad. There's like short stories that are so well written, like probably by um, contracted writers mm-hmm. with Riot. But yeah, the company. Like if I got a job there, I might take it because it seems really cool. But I mm-hmm. don't condone. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So Arcane, for example, is mm-hmm. one of those shows where they have like some very clear coding queer coding specifically (laughs) um but they can't explicitly say it for reasons like oh the ceo might not like it or like the publication might not like it or like you know reasons like that so for something like arcane you get a lot of people interpreting this and going the extra distance and saying yeah they're gay (laughs) and and writing that into stories or like in uh cosplays whatnot so Mm -hmm. yes i have seen some of those cosplays yeah, they're they're pretty good. I can oh, send you really some. Oh, well, one time. I I have some. Yeah, there's some Fi and Caitlyn cosplayers that are mwah, beautiful. But oh God, yeah, I've seen. They're very good they're really ones, cool. I'm always down for more. Oh um, yeah. So I guess to slide a little bit back towards fanfic. Of course. Um. You sort of talked about like My Hero Academia and Miraculous Ladybug. Are those just the ones that you read, or do you also write ones? Uh, I write for My Hero Academia, just mm-hmm. because there's a lot of characters there that I personally like. don't mind empathizing with. Sorry, that sounds really weird. Like, There's characters there that I can understand how to write. Like, If I have a big mm-hmm. ADHD moment, like one of the things I do a lot is like I'll suddenly make impulsive purchase and announce to everyone I know, I'm making a purchase. Someone stop me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hey, you know who else would do this? Kaminari. So I've like written like little what if situations like that and like input my own kind of experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So I tend to write like drabble, like very, very short things. <laughs> I tend to write a lot of like what if scenarios, even in like my own uh my own original work i tend to have like big concepts and then write like short snapshots of them so little short stories of like things going on in the world uh something like my hero academia works really well for that because the the class eventually in like season four or something they move into a dorm building together so if you like put aside all the the supervillain nonsense they're generally just kids experiencing a dorm situation yeah i'm a university student i'm a kid that's experienced is it uh it might have been season three 
It might be. I don't know. It's it's season at some point. Three is, I've only watched up to season up to and finishing season three. Okay, so it might be before then. Then then it's probably before. You're probably right. Yes, you are right. Sorry, I've just thought about it. Anyway. Okay. No. <laughs> but like, so like. I don't want to get my Hero Academia fans on on me. Oh yeah, no, for, a lot of. For, and I will I will complain about this when you ask me about problematic things. <laughs> mm. But um. Yeah, so, like, for example, I tend to, like, take, like, little, like, nonsense moments, like, like, teens, like, waking up and, like, drinking coffee in the middle of the night together, which isn't something you should probably do if you want to get to sleep, but stuff that might realistically happen in a dorm situation and that the canon doesn't care about. Mm -hmm. So I, the stuff I tend to write tends to focus on little snapshots, things that wouldn't actually happen, or, like, what ifs. So, like, oh, what if someone time traveled? That's not going to happen in canon, but I want to. I would want to read about it. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of makes me think of, like, there's the What If comics. Yeah, Marvel. Marvel What If. And then it's there's also... Exactly that. Uh, DC has their own line, which is called Elseworlds. And it's, like, mm-hmm. sort of those alternate timeline, alternate... Uh, it's exactly that. Happened, right? And that is sort of, like in canon fan fiction then i guess yeah it's it's interesting because so i guess that's what's considered alternate universe au Mm -hmm. so like stuff like yeah marvel and dc they have that uh league of legends has a few like star guardian that takes characters from league of legends but they're put in a different context where like they're all high school students and they're basically sailor moon so Mm -hmm. that That is a moba thing that happens pretty frequently. I played, um, yeah, I played uh, Heroes of the Storm, Blizzard's mm. MOBA for a while. Yeah, yeah. And they have uh, alternative universes where different characters take like the roles of different of yeah. other characters, and also just completely alternate worlds. That yeah, are so different. Which exactly. is exactly that seems that's interesting that that's in MOBAs a lot. I don't, I haven't played any other MOBAs, so I don't know. Well, I see it a lot in games that have skins Mm. because you have, so for example, like, hmm, that's a good example. Misfortune in League of Legends. She is a pirate. She's badass. I love her. She's a Mm -hmm. pirate. um, But they have a skin of her where she's a cowgirl. And obviously, like, Misfortune is not a cowgirl. But in some random universe somewhere, she's been reimagined as, you know, someone in in the wild, wild west. That's an alternative universe. Mm-hmm. That they've like kind of written into canon by giving us like official skins by it, but it's still it's not the original content. It's not canonical. Yeah. Canonically, she's a pirate. Yeah, but they have this alternative um, view of her where she is like a cowgirl, for example. Okay. So that happens a lot in fanfics. So yeah. uh, with like uh, Miraculous Ladybug, for example, they're all superheroes. So there's mm-hmm probably a lot of alternative universes where they're super villains uh one i see a lot and this goes hand in hand with like fanfic tropes and like cliches and stuff there's some i see a lot where there's like a coffee shop au where none of that superpower nonsense is happening at all they just happen to meet at a coffee shop there's a lot of alternative universes where they are like roommates and they just like meet uh because they both happen to rent the same apartment mm-hmm. uh one of my favorites is actually uh there's a lot of AUs where people take their favorite ships, their favorite like relationships that they want together, 
and give them a soulmate bond. So there's, it's one of my favorite tropes because I find it really cute. There's a lot of um, soulmate concepts where like the first words your soulmate says to you are like tattooed on your wrist. So you like go through life, like someone's going to say this to me and we're going to be like destined together. Like it's cute. It's obviously common trope across different shows. Yeah, I see that all over the place. It's in a lot of animes. It's in a lot of things where anytime where romance is a thing that fans will fixate on, (laughs) you you tend to see a lot of like, oh, it's destiny. That's exciting because it's, again, it's very much so like, what if this happened? How would they react? How would like people, how would people interact in this world where everyone knows they're destined to be with someone? Mm. So it's, it's an interesting fan fiction gives you a way of reimagining life with characters that already exist. So it gives you a grounds to work with in that sense. All right. Interesting. From there, <laughs> I guess, um, because people who listen to my podcast know that I like to fixate on the negative. Let's get of the course. negative out of the way first. Mm. And then we could talk about more positives of course. afterwards so that, you know, we can end on a positive note because I like to try to do that so that Yay. I don't sound like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> um, of course. Not a cynic at all. Do you find that sometimes those tropes are taken a little too far or that yes. those tropes are twisted in ways that yes. come off to be toxic? Um, there is a lot of issues in the fanfic community. Specifically, uh, what I'll say is like these two fandoms I've been talking about as examples, Miraculous Ladybug, pretty wholesome. Mm-hmm. My Hero Academia, that show's been around a while. A lot of their fans are very young because the characters are very young. And while a lot of them have grown up, like the show started airing, I think, 2014, and it's still airing. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so while a lot of the fans have grown up, there are a lot of fans that have existed and gone a little crazy with their their headcanons, which is basically like um how do you explain what headcanon is? <laughs> it's uh it would uh, a, a widely interpreted thing that is not canon. Okay. So like that's not how I would have thought of headcanon. Okay. How how would you have thought of it? To me headcanon is like your own mind is what True. you think of, right? Like it's my headcanon for this is that it works like this. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So, so an interpretation of something. Okay. And so uh, there's a lot of common ones, and then there's a lot of uncommon ones. Oh, okay. Like, for so example, like shared head canons. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. So, okay. for example, like, Kaminari has ADHD. That's one I've mentioned mm-hmm. a few times. I yeah. personally, I, I see that as believable, but a lot of people do. It's a common head canon. Okay. Yeah. So... Where is I going with this? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of right, fandoms that do have very like toxic traits happening, mm-hmm. and I, I attribute this because a lot of them are very young, and a lot of people are growing up with their shows, and you know, young people say dumb things. Mm, so, true. yeah, you do get a lot of depictions of trauma. You get depictions of like unhealthy relationships like teacher student relationships that Mm -hmm. always makes me uncomfortable um you've got lots of depictions of like assault or abuse and things and while a lot of them 
there are some out there where people are taking like real experiences and they're implementing it in a really meaningful and good and like informative way. There's a lot of places where it is also just kind of hyper fixated on and sorry, not mm-hmm. hyper fixated, but where it's kind of glorified. So you, you're taking fetishized. these negative, yeah, fetishized, exactly. So you have these places where like a teacher student relationship is fetishized and it's, it's made like mm-hmm. very good. Uh, You have a lot of, this is a problem I find a lot. You find a lot of, um, (laughs) a lot of uh, NSFW work, Mm. which involves minors. Yeah. Especially in anime, because like anime has this problem a lot, because there are a lot of characters that are stylized to look very young. There's the whole lolly situation, which is a character that like, looks like they are a child usually a a girl and they're like oh but she's actually four thousand years old it's fine Mm -hmm. but for people who are listening lolly comes from lolita or lolita complex which is uh, another term for pedophilia essentially and comes from a famous novel by a russian guy i can't remember the name but i didn't know that Mm -hmm. that's exciting you learned something new Mm-hmm. But yeah, but so yes, uh, it is a problem. It, there is problem. there is the problem in that anytime you give people a space to like interpret things, there are a lot of really good, really healthy, really informative interpretations. I I see a lot of interpretations of like ADHD and like disability and autism and and mm-hmm. queerness that are are really good and they like celebrate the fact and they're quite informative actually. Like you you learn more than you feel like you should through these fictional characters going through things. (laughs) But then since you've opened up the floor, uh, the floor is not just taken by good people. You also have people who uh, may not necessarily have the most politically correct opinions, (laughs) uh, such as pedophilia. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a shame to say because fan fiction is, it's an exciting thing it's fun because people can interpret things and it's like, it's exciting, but there is, there is a lot of saturation of like really unhealthy depictions in media because it's so unregulated and because anyone can post and share to it. So you, I, it, cause it's sounding like fan fiction has the capacity to give a lot of people, a lot of healing and a lot of ability to relate to characters and to, see the representation fulfilled when maybe it's not but at the same time there's the counter edge to that in that there is also the capability for people to take tropes and toxic ideas that they have outside of their fan fiction and then apply it to something Mm -hmm. that they are also passionate about yeah you can really take things out of as much context if you want uh and it opens the possibilities for like a lot of negative representation, a lot of like things that are unhealthy being encouraged Mm -hmm. because it is written in such a way, like writing is really powerful. You can convince people of a lot of different things just by writing it well. So if you have like a, a fan fiction, for example, Mm -hmm. where you have a student teacher relationship and it's written really well, for young people who don't understand that that is a bad thing or like just haven't solidified that idea, 
it's encouraging and it's it's an issue <laughs> because it's it's just an unhealthy thing to be exposed to and to have projected onto your fictional characters that you're just trying to have like a good time with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, you, you talked about kidding before. Do you think that sort of has an effect on that as well in some respect? Uh, there is a sense of people like projecting their traumas onto characters. Uh, it's not always. Which I'm assuming is both positive and negative. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not always a, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's really interesting. You get a lot of good insight by explaining explaining like trauma as something that people will understand, which is fictional characters. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things that can be done there. And then there's 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 a lot of times where like people project like, for example, their childhood trauma on a character, and mm-hmm. accidentally through them trying to like find closure in themselves, they are accidentally or non-accidentally like just exposing these kind of situations in a glorified sense. Yeah. It's the fine line between understanding fiction <clears throat> and seeing something as real. Which I think is a wider problem nowadays. Yeah. With mm-hmm. people blurring those lines between fiction and reality. Yeah. I know I, I haven't talked about it in on the podcast before, but I have gone through trauma myself. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the important things that I've learned through attempting to heal and and, and uh, deal with my trauma in constructive ways is that there are a million and one ways to deal with your trauma terribly. Yeah. And that there are equally as many ways to deal with your trauma healthily. And that if you are attempting to deal with your trauma without getting help sometimes, you can very easily fall into those positions where you are dealing mm-hmm. with your trauma in a negative way. It's the problem that comes about with like accessibility and the ability for vulnerable people to share online because yeah, a lot of people can find closure and can find a a community that can help them out online. But also online is, it's a community. You're posting to real people. You are sharing to the internet. Anyone can see it. Anyone can take it out of context. Anyone can comment on it. That's what makes the internet so dangerous for people growing up. So especially people growing up with trauma, yes, <laughs> you have these kind of issues. I'm so sorry if you hear my roommates. They're playing Among Us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hear a little bit. That's fine. Um, that's a little bit a little bit of excited screaming. <laughs> an insight into what it's like to live with Becca. Um, yeah, it, the insight. Yeah, I think that um, I somewhat lost my train of thought with that. Uh, us, you know, talking about this, it's important to remember that while the internet sometimes feels like a safe space because you are sitting by yourself Mm. in a place where you feel comfortable, the wider internet itself is not a safe space, unfortunately. And that's what it is. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, uh, and it's important to remember that you can find specific safe spaces on the internet, but just like in the real world, you need to be careful about those things. If mm-hmm. your fanfic that you're creating is something that is helping you deal with your trauma, perhaps sending it out there into the wider internet might not be the best for you 
and for other people. And keeping that among a smaller group might be better. Is that would you mm-hmm. would you say? That's sort of the sense that I'm getting at least here. Yeah. Uh it's very much the sense that like be aware of what you're putting on the internet. This this has become an internet safety talk. <laughs> yeah, it is an internet safety talk now. A lot of a lot of people get a sense of anonymity with the internet because like you said you're you're yourself in your room you're just talking to a screen so it feels very mundane at first but the internet is a public sphere to throw some cultural studies talk onto it Mm -hmm. it's a place where anyone can be and anyone can provide their input so it's it's a very stressful place in many times to be uh to be dealing with things like trauma yeah. So it's, I don't want to be my dad, but, you know, think, uh, think before you post, make sure if you are posting <laughs> something, you have like a considerate and understanding space to do so. Mm-hmm. I like the voice that you put on there. There's like a, a hint of a voice and I'm like imagining <laughs> that that's how you conceptualize your dad's voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't even notice. Like- <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that this is like the main problem in the fanfic community, what we've been talking about? Uh, I find typically it, it tends to be problems, especially because I read a lot of fanfics about... Uh, let me rephrase this. There's a lot of cartoons and anime where the characters are minors. Yeah. So that tends to be the problem is people like me, like I'm 20, I'm not a minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who are not minors that are, are reading and empathizing with these characters who are minors. So a lot, of the, a lot of the issues I find tend to be about adults projecting onto minors and then you know bringing adult problems into a minor's world. So yeah. this comes with fetishization, trauma. It, it really just boils down to a lot of fetish, fetish, blah, fetishization mm-hmm. of, of minors. And that is very uncomfortable to see on your internet, especially if, for example, you are a minor who is like watching the show or reading these fictions where mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing a character that is meant to be like you engaging in <laughs> like... I use this example so often, a student-teacher relationship, or like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of fetishization of minors, is what I can say without going into like too much detail. Yeah, and that's totally fair. We don't really need to go into <laughs> yeah. um, deep into slash fic with minors. Um, yeah, though it does exist, I will say that you're on the right I, track. I, I'm not. I'm I'm not surprised. Let's let's not. <laughs> Should we describe slash fic just in case anybody go for know? it? I guess flashback would be the NSFW. Yes. Not safe for work or adult. Also uh, known as content. as lemon or smut. Uh, okay. There are well, lemon. I didn't hear no. I've heard. I've lemon. heard lemon is a word. Smut, that is I think is, is a smut is, is a, a pretty, common term for it. It's a, a well known term for yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, on that, there's also like, sorry, you've just reminded me. Things like no, no, no. AO3 have have warning tags, like trigger warnings. They have ratings. Okay. So yeah, like, that you read things like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have okay. ratings like mature and explicit yeah. versus like teen versus general. And then they have warnings like no content warnings apply, or they have mm-hmm. things like non-consensual, whereas sometimes it's done in like 
a fun, healthy trauma way, but mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's done in a fetishized way. Uh, yeah. They have, there's a tag I've been seeing some places called Dubcon, dubious consent. That is alarming. Mm, yeah. You see that a lot. I've found in, um, I will admit that I have perused smut of the anime variety before. It tends and to be an anime a lot. It tends to be an anime a lot. But you don't anime even need to read it to see it. Just scrolling through. Um, anyone, who is, anyone who is into anime will accidentally stumble upon it somehow. Oh, it's it's 100%. very common, especially with anime tropes. It is. And <laughs> dubious consent is something that I see a lot more frequently yeah. than, than explicitly non-consensual. Yeah. And it's very problematic because I feel like a lot of these are being written by people from Japan who have a very different conceptualization of what consent means. Yeah. And a very different conceptualization of what gender roles, what LGBTQ, mm-hmm. a lot of these things are so different in how they conceptualize it. And then seeing those things. It is a yikes sort of moment. <laughs> like just translated wholesale and not like sort of. Um, With no context or preface. Yeah. And also not given like the localization because localization isn't just translating, right? It's also mm-hmm. adapting it so that it you can understand it from your cultural perspective. Yes. And having it wholesale just be like, here's this person sexually assaulting another person. But it's not sexually assaulting. It's, you know, it's uh, wavy. <laughs> like you don't actually know. I don't know why I used the term wavy there. <laughs> wavy. It's wavy. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe Maybe it's fine. Maybe it's not fine. I don't no but it doesn't feel fine and those things are very problematic to just mm-hmm. be transplanted because then that gives you different ideas especially if you are a minor different yeah. ideas of what those are and unfortunately we don't have the best um sexual health programs i know in in canada it, while it is better than the united states like a lot of things it's not better by much than the united states. yeah yeah and the, sorry no uh no i you go for it the danger with these things is mostly just like who will be exposed to this and how will their perceptions be uh changed because it tends to be a lot of a lot of children who are reading for example anime and cartoons it tends to be a lot of children who who engage with these audiences who are the audiences um so it's really just like how is the space being um being like depicted and changed and how do people interact with this space when there are young audiences and there are older audiences mm-hmm. i think especially with um cuz i assume it would be more teenagers rather than young children yeah interacting yeah with this, right? young teenagers and too though young, yeah and especially like anywhere that you're a teenager you're your formative with, ages <laughs> it's your formative ages right you're dealing with a lot of things that are making you construct your own identity as well as construct yes. how you interact with the greater world around you Mm-hmm. and having that be heavily influenced by something that 
has such a different idea and perhaps very unhealthy idea of what things like consent, representation, relationships mean can yeah. be really damaging. So you kind of touched on what my next question was going to be. Ooh. And that is, is there things in place to sort of help with this? Uh, lots of, lots of tags. Okay. It, it tends to be tags. A lot of people who write, uh, any kind of like content, which might be traumatic, typically mm -hmm. tag it. So they add trigger warnings. It's very nice. I've come across a lot of, uh, fan work where like, if anyone is discussing depression or, or suicide or any type of trauma at all, a lot of people tend to add in like their notes at the bottom like hey if you're feeling any type of like thoughts here are some hotlines that can help you reach out to a mm. friend etc a lot of people are really understanding in that regard uh good. yeah websites like ao3 do have like a great tagging system where you can point out any things that happen you can also filter your own searches like if you don't want to, oh my gosh, I knocked things over. If you don't want to see something, you can tag your searches to not show you that thing. Okay. <laughs> and this, it goes from anything from like characters to relationships, like things like that, to things like if you don't want to see depression or anxiety, you can remove that tag and it won't show it to you. So. Now, is that all put on the author's shoulders? Yes, oh, it is, though. Things? It's okay. it's very dependent on the author using it properly. And mm -hmm. a lot of them do, though. I, I might have, have resources to teach about? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. They might. I have not come across them. Okay. But also my, my perception is a little skewed because I tend to, I tend to search by the most liked things. So I also okay. experience, like, the content I experience is already approved by a wide majority of the audience. Mm. And that Whereas, you encounter less objections? Yeah, I find it's it's a lot um, better, like, properly done. And, like, if other people approve of it, like, it typically puts more onus on the author to mm -hmm. properly tag their work. And to get those. Uh, mm -hmm do the research themselves to figure yeah, out how yeah. to do those things okay yeah well that's good at least i mean i'm finding the more and more i talk about things like this i find that actual structured organizations that um deal with these kinds of things usually don't have anything in the way like yeah sites and stuff like that they don't have anything but in many cases communities will step up to yeah communities tend to be the biggest uh, Which is important. I, I've never sort of shied away on the podcast of talking about being very left-leaning. Mm. You know, that's a big thing, just like having communities respect and deal with those things within themselves. And yeah. those communities being informed, I think, is the best thing. And it sounds like, um, yeah. at least for the most part, a lot of fanfic communities are very informed, which is mm -hmm. good. I find... Um... A lot of cosplay communities, uh, we're not talking about cosplay, but I can speak on that too. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we can uh, talk about that, yeah. It's I find all it's all fan content at some point, but I've, I've gotten onto cosplay TikTok recently, 
And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people on cosplay TikTok do end up putting like in their biography their age or if they're a minor or if they like allow duets, which is basically like you can put your video alongside that person's video. Like if they allow duets with minors. So like mm-hmm. people will say like, please don't interact if you're a minor because like in a sense, they're trying to protect the community because mm-hmm. for example, like this, a lot of anime is aimed towards younger people. So yeah, it is alarming though, because you do get an amount of, of young people who are accidentally exposed to things and you get a lot of young people who are just trying to cosplay and engage with the engage with the fandom and are exposed to older people who are like sexualizing them mm-hmm. which is because maybe a young person is cosplaying a character that is older for example if like a young girl was cosplaying black widow black widow is kind of a badass <laughs> people yeah. like her that she's like an icon and she's she's a sexy character but yeah. If you have like a young person who might not necessarily look young cosplaying yeah. someone like Black Widow, it's typically you have a lot of people who are sexualizing a child. And mm. sometimes it's done accidentally, but I find like the community has stepped up and like been like, I'm a minor, please do not. Or like they will, you know, only allow comments by like people that they follow back, etc. Though somewhat I will say, sorry, keep going. I was going to say it's somewhat unfortunate that it seems like the minors have to step up for themselves. Yeah, it's in a, in a sense where they shouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard because you have the sense where there's a lot of people trying to protect minors, but there mm-hmm. is still the fact minors need to speak up for themselves and say they are minors, especially yeah. if they don't necessarily look like minors. Yeah, which is problematic that we have that situation in our society where there are those people who are going to sexualize anyone yeah they're not you know just from the get-go without um thinking as to whether they could be minors or not yeah exactly. especially on somewhere like tiktok which has such a young and audience. tiktok i i wasn't really exposed to this like the whole minor situation until I got into like fan work and cosplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like posted a TikTok with an audio that has a your mom joke, which yeah. is is pretty tame in the sense of jokes, but I'd get comments from people like, oh, good cosplay and stuff. Like you look really good. And I click on their profile. It's a 10 year old. And I was like, oh, you should not be seeing my your mom joke, <laughs> which, again, is, is a very tame example, because I when I was 10, people had your mom jokes like, yeah, it's everywhere. It's a very tame. Oh, example. Your mom jokes are very old. They're the classic. But yeah. if that can get to a child, I can't imagine what other things they are exposed to. <laughs> Just by virtue of being on the internet and interacting with people who do make these kind of jokes. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like now I should invite you on again just to talk about cosplay. Oh, I feel like that's maybe. Whole, that's this whole other thing now, too. Um, There's a whole other situation. <laughs> before we get to closing out, because we are getting closer to the time. Cool. Um, <laughs> I would like to... Uh, sort of ask uh, maybe a more positive note or like forward thinking thing. Um, If someone was wanting to get into fanfic, 
like in a positive way they wanted to uh they liked characters from show b or c yeah and they wanted to sort of do their fanfic what would you recommend how would you recommend getting into um i hate to be that guy because this is the same uh advice you see with creative writing in general Mm -hmm. read the medium that you intend to intend to start writing so Mm -hmm. if you're interested in writing fanfic go out there and see how other people are doing it uh one thing that struck me in particular is a lot of fanfic tends to be written from a third person perspective whereas i'm Mm -hmm. used to writing first person perspective uh so there's senses like that where you do have to adapt um but yeah. yeah adapting to the medium but typically just like learning about what other people are writing about, it can help you gain an understanding of who your audience is, of what you are trying to achieve. Um, I say start small, plan. <laughs> it's it's similar kind of uh, advice for any sort of creative writing. Start small, plan. I think the best way to start out in fanfic specifically is just taking a character you like and giving them a what if thing. So a lot mm-hmm. of writing prompts you can find like r slash writing prompts on Reddit is is a useful one, um, or searching up character writing prompts. Mm-hmm. A lot of short things like that. Even if you're writing something as small as like two hundred words, if it can help you get into this character's head and how they interact and with the world and how they act, that is very helpful. Um, again, Ao3 and Fanfiction.net, good places to read and and interact with and post. I find AO3 is is a very sweet community in, in many places. Um, though I've also managed to get on the, the good side of AO3. So yes, uh, definitely be open, be respectful. Um, try it out. Okay. <laughs> That's my so advice. I shouldn't jump straight into my Karl Marx Batman flash. I think that sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're also well. You're here's the thing. You're also very well spoken about Karl Marx. You know True. a lot of the info. I uh, do want to know a lot of the info. Do you know about Batman? <laughs> oh, fairly well, I would say. I mean, right. I do watch. I, I watched a lot of. The animated shows and yeah. with comic books. And it all boils down to like understand your audience. Understand your audience. Understand I don't your know audience. If there is an audience for that. <laughs> no, no, there will be. I'm telling you, it's a it's a fun yeah. one. I'm okay. telling you, that would be really funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know it would be funny, and I know I'd probably enjoy writing it. I need time. I think that's the yeah. thing that I come into contact with. Though, writing. at the end of the day, you should be writing for yourself. You should be writing because it's fun and you enjoy it. That's true. I find the the most fun things I can write is when I don't intend to post it. Hmm. And then Fair. maybe yeah. if you're like, oh, this turned out better than I thought, you can go through and like edit it and like then post it. But post write, it, yeah. write with yourself in mind. Okay. But also surround yourself with what you're trying to emulate. So that's applicable to me and to fanfic. That's applicable to everything. To everything, that's true. Do things um, for yourself, poggers. I'm sorry. Do you have any? Uh, <laughs> add the poggers in the end. Poggers. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to shout out before we end off? Uh, feel free to follow me on TikTok at m e i s o underscore s o u p. That's how you spell soup. 
feel free to you do not need to otherwise stay hydrated get some sleep Mm -hmm. please that's great uh great (laughs) advice stay hydrated get some sleep stay hydrated i need to take my own advice (laughs) uh i'm usually pretty good about both of those things i think maybe my quality of sleep could go up but Mm, same i feel that sucks Uh, alas what can you do well then um I think that's everything that we're going to talk about today on Radio Yay. Nerd. Uh, so, yeah, again, if you um, like the show and you want to keep up with things, I am trying to do better about posting on Instagram. So um, <laughs> if you go there, it's uh, radio underscore nerd, W-L-U. And, again, if you want to reach out with questions, comments, ideas for shows, anything that you want to talk about with me, um, I say this far too often, but this is a conversation. This episode was an actual conversation, which is always fun. Um, uh, Yeah, just reach out at uh, radionerdwlu at gmail.com. Kiefer is very uh, sweet. Please talk to him. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Please talk to me, please. Please talk to him. I'm so alone. (laughs) Um, He just sits in his room alone recording these. I just sit in my room alone recording these things. It's great. All right. Well, then, you all have a good day, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye.